Welcome to Identity Church Sunday Morning Message, where sonship is revealed. Stay tuned at the end of this message to receive more information about resources available through Identity Church. Now grab your Bible, sit back, and enjoy a message from Identity Church that is already in progress. Now, I've said that, and then I don't come to you today so much as a prophet. I come to you as a teacher. Uh, I am, that is certainly my main gift. And you know, one of the things that, that teachers are known for is repetition. And uh, we are burdened because we want to be sure that God's people get it, that they, that they really hear the message and that they, they understand. And beyond understanding that the message begins to impact the life in a way that it makes a change in the life. So sometimes God calls on us who are teachers to go back and to remind the people of God of truths that I'm sure you have already heard, because I know the kind of ministry here and the kind of teaching that you have been brought up under, spiritually speaking. So probably I'm not going to say anything that's brand new to you today, and that's not my purpose. I believe what the purpose of God is today, because God is speaking to me through this message. And I am sharing with you what God has been saying to me over some period of time now, and I'm still listening and learning. So we're all in this thing together. That being said, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6. And then a little later, we're going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I love the Old Testament uh, because I believe that, and and Paul tells us this in Corinthians, that God dealt with the people of of Israel in the Old Testament in order to teach us. There is so much that we learn from seeing what God did in the midst of His people so long ago. And we're going to later on read a part of this passage from in chapter 6 of 2 Kings, uh, we're gonna, the whole story that we're looking at is verses 8 to 18. But just hold your finger there, if you will, for a minute, and, and we'll get to that passage in just a moment. But before I begin, I, would you just bow with me, please, for a moment of prayer? Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for being in this place. You are so welcome here. And we confess right now our utter absolute dependence upon you if these next few moments together are to mean anything in our lives. I ask you, Spirit of God, for a full measure of your anointing upon my words, that my words will be the words that you desire to have spoken, and that as they go forth, they will go forth in power, not because of any technique of mine, but because they are anointed by you, Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you will anoint the ears, the the spiritual ears of your people, the spiritual eyes of your people, that we may hear, that we may see all that you desire for us to hear and see, and then, Spirit of God, work in us that these things that we hear become revelation that changes our lives, and we'll give you the praise and the glory 
in Jesus' name and God's people said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to make a statement that you might be puzzled at at the beginning, and then I'm going to try to back it up, if that's okay. I believe with all of my heart that most of us spend most of our time preoccupied with a world of unreality. Even as believers in Jesus Christ, I think we need to be confronted with this statement. Most of us spend most of our time preoccupied with a world of unreality. In Ephesians, the first chapter, verse 18, Paul prayed for the Ephesian church. I'm going to be careful using Ephesians. You just finished an in-depth study. I've got to be accurate here. Paul prayed that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you can know the hope of his calling, the riches of his inheritance in the saints, and the power toward those who believe the power of the resurrection. You see, Paul, I believe, prayed this because as believers, we have two sets of eyes. We have these physical eyes. That's how I can look and see where you are. That's why I tried not to stumble as I stepped up here today. That's why I tried to hit the chair when I sit down. I, I look to see where it is, and I perceive the sense world around me with these physical eyes. But too many of God's people, and I'm not saying this is true of you. I'm sure you've heard this. But God's people have another set of eyes, spiritual eyes. And with those spiritual eyes, the eyes of the heart that I believe that Paul was praying about here, we can see things that those who do not know Jesus Christ cannot see. You see, some people have only one set of eyes if they do not know Jesus Christ. All they can see is this sense world. And so they live and move and have their being, as it were, in the sense world. We've got another set of eyes. Now, the problem is this. I do not believe that we can focus on the spirit realm and the physical realm at the same time. Now, I could, uh, you know, I've got a, a little camera that's easy to use because I'm not real good at that. But if, if I had a, a really nice camera, an expensive camera, and, and I wanted to take a picture, a really close-up shot of somebody sitting back there on the back row, I could dial it in, and it would look like they were that far from me. I could get every detail of their face. I mean, it, it would do a terrific job. The problem is that if I do that, the rest of y'all are blurred. But then 
if I decide that I want to take a kind of panoramic shot and really get that good and clear, I'm not going to have that kind of clarity of the picture that I tried to get on the back row. It, it, it just isn't going to work. Now, when I do make the choice to either focus on one thing or the other, both things are still there. It's just that with one of them, I have absolute clarity because that is where my focus is. When I focus on someone sitting in the back row, it doesn't remove the rest of you, but I, it's like you're there, but you're not there because I am so focused on that. That's what I mean when I say you, you can't do both at the same time. Now, should you decide that by the grace of God, you are going to live your life not just when we are here worshiping, but from Monday on, you are going to live your life focused on the same place that we were all focused a few moments ago. You know what? You are going to be misunderstood by those who do not choose to use their, their spiritual life. They won't understand you. And you're going to find that the people sometimes that are the most critical, should you decide to focus, as we're going to talk about in just a few moments, we have that choice, I believe, every moment of the day. And as I continually focus not on this sense world, but on another world that the Apostle Paul talked about that he says is the real world, I will be misunderstood, I will be criticized, I will run into opposition. You say, why is all of that so important? Because you see, what you see determines who you are. What you see determines the choices that you make. If you make choices in your life based on being able to see only the sense world, those choices will not be good. If you make choices based on what you see in the spirit realm, it makes all the difference in the world, and you will be misunderstood. Now, the passage of Scripture that I have uh, asked you to turn to, we're going to read part of it in just a moment, but it's kind of long, so I, I want to just tell you the story, if I may. You can check me out later. I love this passage of Scripture. I just, I think part parts of it, I don't know about you all, but sometimes I read stuff in the Old Testament and I just laugh. I just think, God, you are so cool. You have, you know, you are so powerful. You are going to carry out your plan and your purpose. Well, on this particular occasion, there was a really a wicked king in, in Israel. And God sent the prophet Elisha. And God had given him a, a very powerful ministry. The king didn't pay any attention, and the Israelites were moving very quickly to, to judgment from God because of their wickedness, and the, particularly the wickedness of this king. 
But at that particular time, the Israelites were pretty consistently doing battle with the, the Syrians. The Syrians were, were, they outnumbered the Israelites, and they were prepared again and again to attack them. And so they would plan the attack, but then God, through the prophet Elisha, would really give all the information about the Syrian plans to the king of Israel. You got the picture so far? I just think this is cool. And so then the, the Syrians would go out to attack the Israelites, and the Israelites weren't there because they had been warned. And this happened several times. And so finally, the, the Syrian king was fed up, and he called a meeting of all of his top aides. And he basically said this, there's a leak somewhere. One of you guys is leaking the information about what our plans are, and every time we go to get the Israelites, they're not there, and we can't get them. Now, somebody confessed. One man spoke up, and he said, listen, there, there's no leak. The king says, there got to be, because these people are hearing stuff that I'm saying in the privacy of my own bedroom. The guy said, no, <laughs> there's no leak here. And I love this. He said, there's a prophet. There's a prophet that hears from God. And he is telling the king of Israel all of your plans. So what's the king of Syria going to do? We have got to eliminate this prophet. Go get him, whatever it takes. It's kind of funny, I think, because here is this prophet, Elisha, with his servant, staying in a house in a place called Dothan, not Alabama. This is another Dothan. In fact, you may remember some pretty cool things happened at Dothan. You know, God works in different ways, and God had done an incredible thing in Dothan years before. I don't know if you remember the story, but remember when Joseph was sold into slavery? Guess where that happened? At Dothan. That's where his brothers were keeping the sheep. You say, well, something bad happened at Dothan. No, something good happened at Dothan. Because although what the brothers did was evil, as Joseph later told them, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. In order that the purpose and plan of God to keep the seed alive would go forward. God did a miracle there at Dothan. Well, here's another one. In the morning, after the king of Syria had sent his entire army, isn't that funny? Send out all your horses and chariots and everything else just to get two, two guys? Really, just one guy? But they're all there. And they, Dothan is up on kind of a, you might call it a mountain, but it's kind of, it was kind of a hill-like. And so they're, uh, you know, if you're from Florida, you call it a mountain. If you're from East Tennessee, like I am, it's a hill. But anyway, it's, it's an elevated location. The Syrian army, the entire army has surrounded the place. 
in the morning, Elisha's servant walks outside. I guess to get the paper or something like that. Anyway, he looks up and he is scared to death. The whole Syrian army is there to get them. They haven't got a chance. So he is so fearful. He goes back in and he tells Elisha what he sees. And here's what I want to read. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And then Elisha answered him, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. With that passage of Scripture in mind, I just want to make three statements, very simple statements, and think about them for a moment that you already know. They're not all that brilliant. I'm sure you know it. First of all, the man or woman of God faces opposition. I, I thought it was so interesting what was shared before we began praise and worship today uh, about a battle and about how God lifted a burden. And, and yes, and, and the word was given that there are people here today that are troubled. There are things going on in your life that are, are exceedingly painful, that are in just a, an enormous burden that you, you may be dealing with. There's going to be opposition because we have an enemy. Don't be surprised by it. Do you know that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have really committed your life to Jesus Christ, Satan hates you and wants to destroy you. Because there is a power that can operate through you that is devastating to his kingdom. He's lost you for his original intended purpose, which was to take you to hell. So what he tries to do is to make your life on this earth a living hell so that you will live in defeat and despair and will not be a threat to his kingdom. He has an army. He has legions of demonic powers that are always ready 
to pounce. The opposition is there. You will confront Satan on a daily basis. Talking about Papa Jack, one of his best quotes, I think, that I ever heard years ago. I'll never forget him saying that Jack used to say, you know, if I don't meet the devil at least once a day, I'm afraid that we're walking the same direction. <laughs> you don't want to be walking the same direction, but you you will meet him in in one way or another. The powers of darkness will do anything to hinder the power of God from flowing through you and in you and seeing the purpose of God fulfilled in your life. Because you see, when God's power flows through you unimpeded and the Holy Spirit is free to do His work in and through you, do you understand that is what the kingdom of God is? That is how the kingdom of God is manifest. It doesn't always have to be something big and spectacular. It's just God doing what He wants to do through people that He has redeemed in order that they might be channels through which His kingdom is manifest on this earth. And Satan hates that. He will do anything to keep you from listening to the Lord, hearing from the Lord, He'll do anything to keep you from searching the Scriptures, from doing a, a constantly studying in-depth the Word of God. He will do anything to keep you from seeing what you need to see and obey in order that God might manifest His purpose in your life. You know, I when I first went to cornerstone and it was i i don't even think i was on staff yet it was just one of my first sundays there and one of the prayers that god gave me for that church and it's a prayer that i've prayed in other churches that i i think it's god's will for every body of believers wherever you might be one of my prayers was that we would become a body of believers that was known in hell now, that doesn't sound real exciting. And in some ways, I mean, it isn't. You don't want to mess around with these, with these kind of things. But you know, in the book of Acts, the, there was such power being demonstrated in the early church, and, and demons were being cast out regularly. And, and the seven sons of Sceva saw that power, and they thought, boy, this would be cool if we could have it. And they, they wanted to buy it. They wanted to do whatever they could to get the power, but they didn't want to get it the only way that it's available, and that is through submission to the will of Almighty God and through being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. So anyway, they had, they had heard the formula. In the name of Jesus, get out. So they tried the formula. Can I just say this to you? Be careful about mimicking formulas if you have not allowed the Spirit of God to do a work in you, it is scary to try to minister in the flesh. It really is. They found that out. These seven sons of Sceva came, and they commanded these demons. And, and the demons said this. They said, Jesus, we know. 
Paul, we know. They're on our radar in hell. We know them. And we ain't messing with them anymore. But it's kind of like, who are you? And they jumped on them and beat the tar out of them. <laughs> you know? But don't you believe, wouldn't it, isn't it an honor before Almighty God to be known in hell? See, I believe, I'm saying all kinds of stuff now I didn't plan to say. Here we go. No, but I believe, you know, that it, it's inevitable because, I, I mean, as I just said, we're going to face opposition. And the more intense our love and commitment to the Lord becomes, the greater that opposition becomes. But I really believe with all of my heart that when the people of God come together in love and in unity and an utter absolute dependence upon the Holy Spirit with a heart to obey the Lord and to be a source through which the kingdom of God is manifest, I believe, and, and I don't have time to go into the Scripture, but trust me, I'm basing it on Scripture, but I believe there can come a time when the powers of darkness say, you know, we're just going somewhere else because this isn't working for us. I believe God wants to bring us to that place. So anyway, we're going to face opposition. Now, the second truth that I want to talk about for a minute is this. And I know this is brand new information to you. God is greater than any opposition. <laughs> now, you know what? That is so obvious. But I don't know about you all. I've got to have to do a little confession here. Sometimes I have a hard time believing that. Because sometimes I look at the opposition, and the opposition gets bigger and bigger, and the opposition is big. When I am messing with Satan, I am messing somebody with supernatural. Don't ever try to duke it out with the devil. He'll, he'll clobber you every time. You do not have the strength. You do not have the power to come against the devil. But when I am focused on the opposition that I see in this sense world, circumstances, situations, people that are making my life miserable, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And sometimes I've got to tell you, based on my behavior and based on my reaction, I don't believe God is bigger than the opposition. Yes, I do, but I don't act like I do because I allow fear to begin to take over my life. I allow discouragement to begin to take over my life. And one thing I've learned through the years is that the more I look at the circumstances, the greater and more consistent will be the fear, the discouragement, the defeat. I, I, it's just going to be that way. But I've got a God that is stronger than any opposition. You see, I used to say, you know, when I wanted to encourage somebody, I would say this, 
I, you know, I read the end of the book and I know how it turns out. I've decided in more recent years, I don't even have to wait to the end of the book. The victory has already been won when Jesus Christ, as we sang about earlier and, and as we worshiped, that roaring lion came out of the tomb. Having defeated death, hell, and the grave, the victory has already been won. I don't even have to wait to the end. I know what the end is, yes, because I have read the book, but I can experience it now. And you see, I think too many of God's people through the years have lived lives, even as Christians, of defeat and despair because they know they're going to go to heaven when they die, and they're just waiting till someday I can get out of here and go to heaven. God's plan and purpose for His church is to bring heaven here now. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. And, and you know, it's... I love Southern gospel. Uh, in fact, Bev and I just went to a concert a couple of nights ago. You know, they all come down here this time of year. And I, uh, I, I do some research on the computer and find out where they are so I can go. And I, it, I tell you, I'm just able to worship incredibly with, with some of these groups, some more than others, but oh, wow. And, and I, I love... Southern gospel, and it, it is kind of changed, it has changed a lot, but some of the, the lyrics have begun to change too. It used to be that so many of the Southern gospel songs, and I still love to listen to them, but the, the lyrics were, it's almost like, oh Lord, I'm hanging on down here, waiting till I get there. No, I don't have to do that because you see, I've got a God who is stronger than any opposition, and I, I'm sick and tired of seeing myself, the church of Jesus Christ, settle for less than what God really has in mind for it. He has not put us here just to hang on. He has put us here to demonstrate daily the victory that has already been won when Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I just think, in fact, I, I think when I spoke here at the, uh, at the nest, one of the first things I said was, I'm angry, and I still am, because I think the church has been ripped off. Uh, we've missed out on enjoying the manifestation of God's kingdom that He intends for us to, to experience. Scripture's full of this stuff. I mean, it's like, I, I love when, when Jesus spoke to Peter after Peter had made that incredible confession, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Peter, I'm going to give you some keys here. And be careful how you translate this. He doesn't really say, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. He says, what you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. It's already happened in heaven. And we are bringing to earth what heaven is about. That's why Jesus said, <laughs> Kingdom of God, come. Will of God be done on earth as it's being done in heaven. That kind of authority was given to Peter once he had truly acknowledged Jesus Christ as the Son of the living God. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. If God be for us, who can be against us? 
The angel of the Lord camps about around about those who fear him. We, we, we could go on and on. Paul calls it the power of the resurrection. The very same power that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead operates in you and me. I'll share a little story with you. I didn't plan to, but a few years ago, when I had the privilege of, of being in, in the Holy Land, we, we uh, had communion early one morning there at the garden tomb. And uh, it's, it's a pretty routine thing. They, a lot of groups do that, that go there. But there were, there were um, just 12 of us men that had been on a camping trip out in the, in the desert. We traced the route of the Exodus and got to climb Mount Sinai. You can't really do that anymore unless you're going to Egypt. But it was such a privilege. And just this small group of men, we were just sitting there in the garden tomb and having communion together. And it's like God began to speak to me. And I've never forgotten it. I thought to myself, right here, in this place where we are sitting. I believe that there was a time when absolutely every shred of power that Satan could muster, every demon, every principality, every, I just think there were legions of them there, right there where we were having communion with the commission, see that he, forget the Roman guard, forget the stone, all the powers of hell are gathered there. Keep him in that tomb. Because if he comes out of there, we're dead, we've had it. Well, you know the rest of the story. See, that to me, what the Lord said to me is, son, that is the power of the resurrection. There is no demon, no legion of demons, no gathering of the armies of Satan that can stand against that power. And that power is available in you and through you by the working of my precious Holy Spirit. Amen. The last thing I want to say is this, kind of going back to our story. You see, the eye of faith sees not the opposition, but the greatness of God, which is manifest in a whole different realm. Oh, to some extent in this world, yes. You see, how I respond depends on what I see. And I will say this to you. You will never, I will never have the kind of faith that God wants me to have until I see that other realm. And I will never consistently have that faith until I make the choice to live in that other realm all the time. And I believe that's a possibility because God's not going to mock us. He's made that available to us. What do I choose to see? Going back to this story, it, it, think about it for a minute. When the, when the servant went out 
and saw this army all around, knowing full well what they were there for, and it was awesome. He would have been a fool not to be scared to death based on what he saw. And you see, so often when we face some of the big challenges of life and some of the big demons in life, we would be fools not to be afraid. It would be an automatic reaction if we look at them and that's what we see. It, just, it, it, it breeds fear. It breeds discouragement. It breeds defeat. But then I love the story and how it goes. He goes in and he yells for Elijah, come here, boss, you ain't gonna believe this, we're dead. Elisha comes out. He's not even bothered. He's not even thinking about being afraid. Why? Because he saw something. Now, I want to tell you, if Elisha had come out and somebody, well-meaning person, walked up to him and said, Hey, Elisha, just got to have faith, buddy. Uh, they, uh, I don't know about, I don't know about you, but you know, sometimes if I'm really going through something, and somebody walks up and quotes Romans eight twenty eight to me, maybe I'm confessing something that I need, but I just want to hit them. Now, now Romans eight twenty eight has been precious to me. And there are many times in my life when it has been the means of my salvation in a certain situation when God has made that come alive and I've been able to truly believe it. But you see, I don't think quoting Scripture to Elisha would have helped right then, but he saw something. He wasn't even tempted to be afraid. I believe that God wants to give us that kind of sight all the time because he wants for us to live and move and have our being in that other realm. Here, here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. He's just gone through a laundry list of things that they have been through, the Corinthians, things that he has been through. And then he says, we don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. How is it being renewed? It is being renewed by the Word of God, which is how we see the other realm. And he says being renewed for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And then he gives the secret. As we look, not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but things that are unseen are eternal. You see, the, the greatness of God is not primarily seen in the sense world, although it can be seen there. The psalmist said, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. 
But what I need as a believer in Jesus Christ is for the Holy Spirit of God to open my spiritual eyes. See, that's, that's the, that was the solution for Elisha's servant. Elisha said, open his eyes, Lord. And the Lord opened his eyes. And from then on, it was a piece of cake. <laughs> in fact, the tables got completely turned, and it wasn't because of anything that either one of them did. It was because of what God did. That, that's how God works. Do you realize, and this is good news, this is the way the Lord works. Do you know that what they saw when God opened their eyes was the hosts of Jehovah? between them and the Syrian army? Guess who the general of the hosts of Jehovah is? Jesus Christ himself. He's right there in the Old Testament, leading the armies of God. And when you see that, when you really see that, you can't be afraid. But you cannot see it apart from the activity of the Holy Spirit within you. And I'm going to take it one step further. And if, if somebody wants to challenge me, don't do it while I'm up here. No, but I don't believe that we will ever have that kind of spiritual eyesight apart from absolutely immersing ourselves in the written Word of God, the Scriptures. Too many people today are, I want to tell you something, it just save you time. If you're ever tempted to take some kind of a short shortcut, or you get some heavy revy, and and you know you're going to kind of sneak in some other way to to the fullness of what God. I have tried every gimmick, every shortcut. I've heard them all, and I've been dumb enough to try some of them. And I want to tell you, <laughs> it's uh, you know I think. I think God is doing a new thing in his body right now. But the interesting thing is, and I thank God for the prophetic, but I think true prophetic working puts us right back in the Word of God. What God is doing in this day, the new thing that God is doing is teaching his people to embrace the old thing <laughs> that, that's been there all along. So God is calling us into his Word. The more I will promise you, the more that you saturate yourself in the Word of God, the more that I saturate myself, the more time I just spend in intimacy with the Lord, the dimmer and dimmer the things that I didn't say there won't be any difficulties or challenges, that there won't be any pain, that every you know, it burdens me. So many people I think have been disillusioned when they first got saved, they were kind of told, you get saved and everything's gonna be all right. Jesus never said that. In fact, he said the exact opposite. And you see, everything is going to be all right. But it's not because we won't experience trouble or pain. It's because there is someone who is in us as we worship the Lord proclaiming this morning. Someone is in us to carry us through that. And the solution becomes bigger than the problem. Real quickly, um, I'm, I'm watching the clock. I'm, I'm, I'm bad about that. I'm not supposed to, but I'm watching it. But anyway, I just want to uh, call forth a few people 
just a you know how you know how as preachers like to do sometimes can I get a witness I, I, I've got some witnesses here that I, I want to call forth first of all let's talk to Elisha's servant how in the world what what was it like listen I was scared to death I knew that we were dead but Elisha prayed for me and and I don't know what happened but all of a sudden I saw something I had not ever seen before you should have seen it <laughs> from then on i didn't see the syrian army i saw the army of god and and all the fear was gone peace was there it, it was just for a long time though when i went out i, I mean there for a while I, I was scared to death because i was looking at unreality I was looking at the Syrian army now you may say well they were real not as far as God's concerned they weren't this is what we need to understand yes they were real to these sense eyes and I think there we got to be careful here I think there's a, a balance you know I I, I uh, read an article the other day about somebody that claimed their healing uh, their eyesight was going. They claimed their healing and got in the car and started driving and caused an accident. That's presumption. That's not faith. When God shows you the unseen realm, the spirit realm, you will see it accurately and you will know the will of God and He will give you the strength to obey His will. There's a big difference and I'm not advocating presumption in any sense of the word i'll tell you another person that lived in unreality for a while remember i mentioned a while ago what happened at dothan well the rest of that story is that these brothers killed an animal put the blood of the animal on that wonderful coat that that jacob had given his son and took it to him jacob made a very reasonable deduction based on what he saw he said, a wild animal has killed my son. This is his, they didn't have DNA testing back then. He said, this is his blood on this coat. He's dead and gone. And I'm going to go down to my grave in mourning. You know, he spent the next 20 years in depression. And all the while, Joseph was moving exactly according to God's plan for him to become the king, second in command, really, of all Egypt. Do you know that God will stop at nothing for his plan and his purposes to be carried out. He's going to do it. And he invites us to be part of it by living in a realm different from what we see with these sense eyes. Oh, Jacob, how sad it was. But then finally, when, can't go into the whole story, but it, it wound up that they told him that Jacob that Joseph was alive he couldn't buy into it but Joseph sent back some wagons <laughs> and it said when Jacob when Jacob saw the wagons his spirit revived in him he was bound by that world of unreality the 12 spies 10 of them 10 of them saying hey you got to get real there's giants and wall cities here this is everything god said it was but we can't win 
God said, I gave you the land. Then Caleb and Joshua, what'd they say? They said, oh yeah, they are giants and walled cities, but they're bread for us. God will do what he said he'll do. We, it, it makes, who are, who are some people that learn to live in, in the real world? I think Noah did. Building a boat like he built 120 years on dry land, people mocking him. If I asked for a witness today from Noah, I'd say, Noah, how did you do that? He wouldn't say to me, oh, I had faith. He would say, I saw rain. I saw a flood. And when I saw that, I didn't have to try to have faith. I knew I better keep building because it was coming. Abraham. Abraham, how did you do that? Just leave everything. Abraham says, I saw a city. I didn't have great faith, and he proved that on more than one occasion. But he said, I saw a city. And then finally, I love this. I'll never forget the day when God showed me this passage of Scripture. Somebody needs to hear this today. I remember when he was told to sacrifice Isaac after all the waiting and all he had been through? And he, and he, he, he raised that knife. How could he do that? I don't know about you, but I couldn't do that apart from some kind of supernatural intervention. How could he do it? Listen to this. He saw something. Let me tell you what he saw. And I think this is how faith works so often. You read in the eighth chapter of John, Jesus says this. He said, Abraham saw my day. Abraham saw that I got here. And he knew that if I got here, Isaac had to live. Wow. You see how that works? I mean, it's so... Moses, we are told, did what he did, seeing him who is unseen. Therefore, he wasn't afraid of Pharaoh because he, he saw something. This guy who was a coward and ran to the desert for 40 years and saw something in the bush. And he saw that God was with him. You, you, you see how it works. One last one. I just, I love Peter. Peter, what was it like to walk on the water? I think Peter would say, you know, I, I don't know exactly what came over me. But when Jesus said, come, I knew it was okay. Now, I got out of that boat. My big mistake was this. Then I started looking around. And I saw the sense world. I saw the wind and I saw the waves and I was scared and I began to sink. And even when I did, Jesus was there to lift me up. But he said, do you know, Peter, I don't think Peter walked on water as such. You know what Peter walked on? Peter walked on the word come remember when i was in israel we were 
We were out in the Sea of Galilee, and, and somebody who was teaching that morning said, the boats are real low. Some of you have been on them, but you can, you can reach down and touch the water. He said, touch that water. He said, you can't walk on that. Peter didn't walk on that. It wasn't the water that supported him. It was the Word of God that supported him. The Word of God was bigger than the reality that you can't walk on water. Oh, man. I think you get the idea as we listen to these folks testify. <laughs> as I said, this is not a call to foolhardiness or to presumption, but to faith based on revelation. The good news is this. It is God's nature to reveal Himself. It's God's desire to reveal to us the real world. That's God's nature. We do not have to overcome His reluctance. I remember when I was here at the, the nest, the word that God gave me, once again, it was something that wasn't new. And it was just like that, I knew. Because it's what God was saying to me at the time. And we talked about abiding in Christ. Without that intimacy with Jesus Christ, we are nothing, we can do nothing. I believe when we abide in Him, how do we do that? We do it in His Word. We do it, there's just no shortcut. We just live with Him all the time, even in the workplace, even when we're busy at home. He, he's willing to hang out with us everywhere all the time if we are willing to acknowledge His presence. One of the greatest men of God I ever knew was a man called Pappy Reveal. Evansville, Indiana, I was working at the summer camp there two years when I was in high school. It was so precious to be with this man. He ran the Evansville Rescue Mission and then provided this camp for underprivileged children free of charge. The whole thing was a faith operation. It really was. He didn't, he didn't send out anything. He just talked to the Lord, kind of re reminded me of, of some of the other saints you used to read about. But when you were with Pappy, and, and I was with him a lot in the car alone and placing, you had to be careful because there were always three people in that car. And you might interrupt a conversation he's having not with you. And, and you had, I mean, it was just that way. And when he died, you know, all, all of his life, he wore a brace on his, his leg. He kind of had to help, have a little bit of help getting around. This is why I have a problem sometimes when people say, well, if you're sick, it's because you don't have faith. Be real careful about saying that, folks. This is the man of greatest faith I've ever seen. And now don't misunderstand me. I believe God's the healer. And I believe he wants to do a lot more healing than we ask him to do. So I'm not putting that down, but I'm just saying be careful because you don't know what's going on and what God's doing in people's lives. And, and I often said, when this man died, I think the only difference he noticed was that he didn't wear, have that brace anymore. I don't think his contact with the Lord was any more real when he got to heaven than it was while he was on the earth. And I have seen with my own eyes, I've seen him pray rain out of a sunlit sky. I've seen him pray water into a well that was dry. I mean, I could go on. God forgive me that I didn't learn more from that man or that I didn't put into practice more what I saw in those days. But as we live 
in this world will live in fear, defeat. It'll be a wilderness. What's real? I want to ask you that today. What, what do you see? That's really the question with all this. What do you see? Don't misunderstand me. If you're in the midst of a difficult situation, we, we've all been there. If you're not there right now, you're either just coming out of one or you're getting ready to go into one. It just, it's, it's part of living in this unreal world. So I don't mean to minimize it. But I'm just wondering, what do you see in the midst of the storm? What do you hear? Do you hear Jesus saying, walk on it? Do you hear God say, I can handle those giants? Yeah, they're big. They're awesome. But I got this. I got it handled. It's not going to change because of anything I've said today. It's going to change when you and I embrace a lifestyle of absolute commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ day in and day out. In His Word, in fellowship with others, praise, worship, prayer, all of these things that God has given to us. When we choose to saturate ourselves with that, I don't think, and I think too often, even as believers, we're kind of a instant gratification. We want somebody to lay hands on us and everything change. I believe in the laying on of hands. I don't mean that either. But folks, sometimes it's a, it's a, I believe everything about the Christian life other than salvation itself. That happens just like that. Everything else is a process. So I make the choice, God, by your grace, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change residence. I'm going to live not in this sense world, but I'm going to live in that real world. And I'm going to allow you to work in me by your spirit. See, to me, this is what revelation is all about. To reveal to me, to open my spiritual eyes, to open my spiritual ears. I don't do it by just sitting down and grunting. I do it by a commitment and by being in the Word of God. And the more I focus, and I'll tell you this from my own testimony, you know, if you could tell, my wife can tell whether or not I'm really in the Word, because it shows. Whether I'm really focused on the Lord, it shows. Rachmaninoff, the famous, it's one of my favorite quotes, the famous pianist once said, he said, if I mispractice for one day, I can tell it. He said, if I miss for two days, my agent knows it. He said, if I miss for three days, my fans know it. See, my flesh doesn't get any better. And that word that, that was given earlier today, this, this is sometimes what our, when we walk through these difficult times, our flesh has already been put to death, but we have got to embrace that reality. And God is in the he God does not improve our flesh. 
He puts it to death. He's already put it to death, according to Romans 6, in order that the life of Christ might flow through us. So I just want to ask you today, what do you see? I ask myself, what do I see? Because what I see determines who I am. It determines the choices I make. And it determines whether I live in victory or whether, thank you, whether I live in defeat. I've been asking the Lord how to close this. And I, I thought at first, that I might, uh, I just don't feel led to have you come forward for prayer or the language. What I, what I want to do is I, I want to pray for you. I, I think a message like this, it, I just think you're supposed to, and if, if anybody feels, you know, has a different word, I submit my ministry to the, the authorities in this house. I mean that. But uh, that's what I was planning to do. But I just want to pray for you that as you make a commitment, I am going to ask you to make a commitment. When you get home today or tomorrow, sometime just to get along with the Lord, uh, test this out. Read this passage for yourself and, and test it out and say, Lord, what are you saying to me? How do you want me to respond specifically? One thing I do know this, that a message like this, God intends for us to respond to it. Uh, even though I'm a teacher, I'm not interested in teaching just for information. I'm interested in teaching for change in myself and in the body of Christ. But I want you to take this real, real seriously and, and ask the Lord, how do I need to restructure my life in any area so that I get the time with you that I need? I need to ask myself this. You never arrive. How do you, how do you want me to, to change my life and my schedule and, my, and what changes I can make? I still live in this unreal world, but that's not going to be my focus. My focus is going to be like a laser on you, on your word, on being open to the power of your Holy Spirit. And just let the Lord show you. And then later on, if you want somebody to lay hands on you and say, open his spiritual eyes, that's fine. Uh, I, but I just think this is what we're supposed to do today. So let's bow our heads. I just want to ask you this, uh, as, as you are willing to make the commitment that I've talked about just now, by the grace of God, and you're going to let the Spirit of God show you and spell it out for you, because this is a commitment. This is not just a, a quickie thing. But if you're willing to make this kind of commitment and say, Lord, with all of my heart and being, I want to learn, yes, to live in both worlds at the same time, but really to have my life in that unseen, eternal realm. 
I want to see heaven come to earth, the kingdom of God to come, the will of God to be done on earth as it is being done in heaven. If that's the desire of your heart, would you just slip your hand up and put it down? God bless you. God bless you. My hand's up too. Father, you've seen the hands of your people. Lord, this is a this is a familiar word, but Lord, when we think of responding to it, it's a huge commitment. And Lord, it means a lifestyle that sometimes will be misunderstood. God deliver us from pride or from judgmentalism. But Lord, give us the grace to take this step that literally moves us into a different realm where we are better able to love and understand and minister to those who either don't have two sets of eyes or don't choose to use their spiritual eyes. But Lord, open our eyes so that we don't see so clearly the Syrian army, but we see with incredible clarity the army of the Lord led by Captain Jesus himself. So, Father, I ask by the power of your Spirit right now that you move upon those who've raised their hand. Move upon me. Continue to speak as we leave this place and throughout the day and into the evening. Speak to us, Lord. Make your word come alive in the way that only you can. Cause what we've spoken about today to become revelation, rhema, life-changing. We believe you for this. We trust you for this. And we give you praise for it. In the name of Jesus and God's people said, Amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church. To know more about us, go to identitychurch.net, where you'll find resources such as a calendar, media, and upcoming events. You may also download an app for your mobile device from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Then from your mobile device, you can hear our messages, read from the Bible, take notes, connect with us on the social media, and even pay your tithe. Again, thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church.